0: Welcome to My Covid Diary. My name is Andrea Hardacre and this is My Covid Diary. Like everybody else worldwide, I'm trying to get to grips with a whole new lifestyle during the corona pandemic and I decided to chart my journey here. March 25th, 2020. So today is day two of official UK lockdown. It's a gorgeous day outside, fresh and clear, and I open all the windows in the house Noticing how quiet it is. During school holidays, all the kids in the street normally get outside to play. Today they must be in their back gardens. I miss the sound of them laughing. The news this morning is varied. On the positive side, over 250,000 volunteers have signed up to help the NHS support vulnerable people. Apparently, three people per second enlisted after it was announced last night. This just shows you kindness can spread as quickly as any virus. These people have been called upon to help deliver supplies and make regular phone calls to those in isolation. This is people coming together. This is us at our best. In other news, it looks like testing kits for the virus are on their way. At the moment it's not clear when they'll be rolled out to the public but first protocol has to be the NHS. Again, this is good. It's a step forward. It's cheering me up. Other news is not so bright. I watched a nurse in tears pleading with people to stay at home after she lost two patients and had to tell a family that they couldn't be with their father in his dying moments. She was young. She looked utterly broken. Then came the news that Prince Charles has the virus. Don't get me wrong, I'm not a royal fan. But I am a human fan. I don't want anyone to get the virus. I don't care what their background is. He's doing okay. Others aren't so lucky. Younger people considered healthy have died. The youngest today was 21. 21 I dread to think what our family are going through. And naturally, this news brings a whole new set of worries into focus. I've got two teenagers. I think they're healthy. I think they've got a strong immune system. But once again, there's that ticking clock in my mind. How long has it been since they were last in public? When did they last see friends? I reckon it was Friday, which means I've got about ten days to wait to see if they're clear. There's a temptation at this time to stay away from the news but it's also impossible not to watch it. I think we're all crying out for information and at the same time grasping for some hope and positivity. I'm often ashamed to admit that I was a journalist. I understand why they're despised and I understand the cynicism around the profession but I knew a lot of good journalists and I think good journalism is worth its weight in gold. I can't help feeling a pull back towards it right now to reach out and speak to people, to do something. All that said, when I woke up this morning, I was determined I was going to stay positive. I shared the podcast with friends and family, which was a bit out of my comfort zone. My sister has urged me for humour. Pray for her people. She's stuck at home with two very active sons, kicking what's left of her toilet roll all over our living room for the keepy uppy challenge. While discussing our stubborn, stubborn Corona can do one mother online, we found a Facebook photo of a very large budgie cage for difficult grannies. The gran inside looked a little like mum, who we both had to tell repeatedly before lockdown to stop nipping to the shops. So that gave us both a laugh. If mum finds out about that photo, I'm going to have to dodge her slipper. My sister's right though, but don't tell her I said that. Laughter is a real tonic right now. I've seen some brilliantly funny things on the internet recently, particularly the rugby commentator using his skills to narrate real, real life. I love how humour can just pierce that bubble of tension we carry around during times of stress. So today I thought I'd be proactive and do something about the money situation and the process has given me a little bit of a laugh. My work lost its funding early this year and as it's entertainment I'm not hopeful it'll be back soon. I had gigs lined up with the band but they too have been cancelled so I've had a bit of fun twisting my CV. One of the jobs I'm looking at is driving for a pharmacist. Anyone who's ever been in a car with me might raise a smile at this. Think postman Pat tootling along in in his wee van. I tend to be perpetually under the speed limit, so hopefully no one's in a hurry for their medication. My other half has questioned the logic of this application. No offence. But remember that time you walked into the wrong flat when we lived in Glasgow and then started arguing with the man who lived there when he told you it was his flat? You're not that great at directions. That's so rude. I thought we'd been broken into. And what about the time you applied for a job in Dumfries, telling me you could commute from Elkley? It's 132 miles away. How long did it take me to convince you that that wasn't practical? I huff and puff. It was a fun job, that Dumfries number, working at the Beatrix Potter Museum, telling stories. I still regret not applying. But he's got a point. When I got my first car, I was 21 and doing a postgrad in Glasgow. The car was at my mum's house in Fife, which meant driving it from Dunfermline to Glasgow, about an hour's drive. There were no sat back then. But I'd been on the bus a few times. I'll be fine, I thought, setting off. Everyone in the family waved me off, then took a stiff drink, waiting for the phone call. I got to Glasgow okay, but then encountered a huge problem. I didn't know where I lived. I knew the street name, Paisley Road West. But I had no actual clue where that street was. People I stopped to ask said Aye hen, it's in the south side but Great, I thought And like, where's that? What, did they think I had a spare compass on me or something? My brain does a funny thing with facts and figures And especially directions It just shuts down completely I'll stop, ask for directions And then not listen to them What is that? It doesn't help that I still don't know right from left. Then I spend the next 10 minutes panicking in case the person I ask for directions is watching me as I take off and turn the wrong way. I find the whole thing pretty stressful. Maybe it's best if I don't get the job. If the sat nav goes down, I'll be absolutely stuffed. My other idea of working for the tax office or financial hotline made my other half cry with laughter. I forgot one vital component. I'm ridiculously bad with numbers. My track history with the supermarket work isn't brilliant either. I worked in Asda as a teen. Instead of stacking yogurts by their sell-by date, like I was told to, I chose to colour coordinate. I don't care what my supervisor said, that stack looked great. Anyway, I can hear my daughter giggling and laughing upstairs with some friends on FaceTime. I think they might have resorted to playing Minecraft. My son is quieter, but it could be because he's been taking the dog for two hour walks. They both come back, eat, then flop. But it's laughter that will carry many of us through this difficult time. We've always had a laugh in my family. Mostly at very inappropriate times and usually at my expense. But who knows, maybe even the pharmacist will have a little giggle when they see my CV.